Hey there, welcome to episode 19 of the Rugged Angel podcast. I am your host, Camila, and I am super stoked to be here with you today. The Pittsburgh 48 Hour Film Project is coming to a wrap for 2015. We had screenings on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and they were amazing. Like, thank you to everybody who came out to support the local filmmakers. It really meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to them. And we all had a good time, right? You, you got to see some really great films that were inventive, that were creative, that were funny, that were terrifying. You had a good time. I had a good time. So come back and do it again because uh, we're doing the best of screenings and award ceremonies on July 31st. Quick shout out to all the teams who won Audience Choice Awards in Screening Group A, Pittsburgh Game Changers for Restart, Screening Group B, Command Pictures for Fuzz E Nuts, Group C, Children of the Corman for Sarah Tremaine, and Group D, So Fresh Films for Change. Congratulations, guys. Those guys will be screening at our best of screenings and awards ceremony. We still have yet to figure out who the rest of our, what the rest of our films will be for that screening. Our judges are still, you know, watching films, making points and notes and calculating. And, you know, I'm sure there's a whole lot of scientific things that's going along with them. But um, shout out to my judges, Nicholas Manganello, Jillian O'Neill, and Dino DeStefano. Thank you guys for working super hard for me. I have to make sure to get you some sort of awesome gift to um, commemorate your time as a survivor for the Pittsburgh 48 Hour Film Project. So yeah, so if you guys missed out on any other screenings, you can come see the best of the best on July 31st at the Hollywood Theater. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. You can buy tickets at pgh 48 bestb pt.me you can also check out ruggedangel.com for a link you can also check out our facebook page pittsburgh 48 hour film project you can also check out the website 48 hour film project slash pittsburgh.com slash pittsburgh 48 hour film project.com slash pittsburgh this week my guest is cindy jackson she is an actor director used to be an emt but she still holds the knowledge don't worry and a toolbox i'm pretty sure and she's also a very dedicated x-files fan she's hardcore into the fandom and for those of you who are also in that fandom you know that you're called files p-h-i-l-e-s i learned that in this conversation and she also managed to get me to start watching x-files i had only seen maybe one or two episodes prior to this conversation and now I'm like almost done with season one so I'm trying to catch up before you know the new ones start and hopefully it sticks. Cindy is a hard worker in addition to being involved in just local short films like the Pittsburgh 48 Hour Film Project and 3 by 7 Films, which I have spoken to you guys about before on this show, which is a group here that has started to kind of inspire filmmakers to make a film every weekend. She also just finished wrapping her play uh, Brood, which was here in Pittsburgh um, by the No Name Players. She is currently in production on a short film called Muck. You can check out their Facebook page for more information on that. I think she's on set now as we speak filming. You can look for her in the movie Concussion that was recently filmed here in Pittsburgh starring Will Smith and her IMDB page is just extremely impressive so I encourage you to go check that out and um, just listen in on what Cindy has to say about filmmaking and about life and about being a female in the film industry and hopefully we all take away a little bit of something from Cindy's 
years of experience in the industry. And um, she's just a great person. And I'm super stoked that I had a chance to sit down and talk with her. And hopefully we'll get to hang out when there's not a microphone in front of us both. And we can just hang and chill and, you know, whatevs. Your words of wisdom. The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Alice Walker. Welcome, Cindy Jackson. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome Thanks for having me. to the Rugged Angel podcast. This is awesome. It took a while. Um, a lot of missteps. Um, so you're a very busy woman. I was napping. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so, you know. I have to work around my nap schedule. It's important because, you know, I get that. If you don't schedule the naps, and you, uh, it doesn't happen. And you can't let anything uh, interrupt that. Right. You know. It's just good times that way. So, um, Cindy, I have known you for quite some time through the 48-Hour Film Project. Yes. But I don't know you. And I don't think we've ever actually really, like, spoken. So I'm pretty excited about Me too. That. Tell me about you. Where are you from originally? Well, I grew up in a small town in West Virginia called Elkins. Hmm. Uh, population just around 8,000. Has a small liberal arts college there. Um... And I got the heck out as fast as I could. Uh, when I graduated from high school, I went to WVU. Mm-hmm. And when I graduated from WVU, I ended up in Pittsburgh. Okay. Was there anything in particular that brought you to Pittsburgh? Or um, I had been touring, touring, touring. Touring? Touring with a uh, production. Uh, of? Uh, it was called Brass Theater at the time. And uh, when I got off tour... One year, I just ended up in Pittsburgh, just settled in Pittsburgh, thought oh. about grad school, and that was it. I've been here ever since. Nice. So, have you always, how, when did you get into theater? I'm assuming. Oh, geez. I was a kid. Yeah? Single digits. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it started with uh, probably a church play. Mm. <laughs> um. Uh, no, actually, the church plays probably came later. Uh, it might have been just the grade school plays. And I always, always had to be the center of attention. I was so, such a jerk as a kid. So is that what drew you to acting? It's like, th- I need to be in the spotlight. I think so. <laughs> I, I think, as a child, I think it did. Uh, as I got older, um, actually, no, probably my late teens even, I was still a jerk. Um, and, and had gotten reprimanded and kicked out of... The theater school at WVU more than once. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, what were you doing? Just, like, what? just being a jerk. Just, I was working. I, I was getting gigs. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, rubbing in the faces of everybody else in the department. So you're definitely, yeah, graceful winner. <laughs> so that's, um, okay. Yeah, I was a jerk. Um, and it took me a while to realize that, uh, you know, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. And once I did that, I think... Um, I really started to become more serious about acting, mm-hmm. uh, take it a lot more seriously, and uh, 
treat others with a lot more respect than I had been treating them previously. Wow, I can't believe that you were just like a straight up jerk. Because you just. <laughs> It's like, I, I feel, well, I mean, whatever you did to uh, center yourself, it has worked <laughs> to humble yourself because uh, I don't, I don't get that vibe off you. Oh, and... thank you. <laughs> Acting. Genius. Thank you. And scene. <laughs> so when did you decide that, all right, it's definitely, what did you study in college? I studied theater. Okay. Yeah. So basically your plan was to be a working actor. Is, I mean, do you prefer actor or actress? Um, I just go with the actor because it's shorter. Okay. So when did you decide you wanted to be a working actor? That was that was the main game plan? Probably avoid. still in high school as a teenager. Mm. Uh, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Mm. I'd thrown around some other majors, some fallbacks like journalism, mm. history, things like that. Um, and did not start college as a theater major. What did you start as? I think I started as a journalism major. Really? I'm pretty sure I got kicked out of the journalism school. Um, and then uh, for being a jerk or (laughs) (laughs) for not going to class Uh, that'll also do it yeah I had um, I'm I'm pretty sure it was journalism and I enjoyed it Uh, you know it it was it was fun I worked at the radio station Hmm. briefly Um, worked I think I worked for the newspaper a little bit the daily Athenaeum but I could be wrong about that Uh, my Long-term memory isn't very good. Uh, so the important thing, the things of non-importance really have just kind of like fallen to the wayside. It's just... So I ended up in the theater department. And okay, so luckily your short-term memory for remembering lines is, is much better than oh, your long-term memory. <laughs> I'm notoriously bad for not being off-book on the off-book date. But I think that has a lot to do with the fact that I'm lazy. And uh, my ADHD sometimes uh, okay. just doesn't... I can't focus sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do to help you focus? Do you have any repetition? Just repetition, straight yeah. up. Wow. So, how often does it take you? How long does it take you to generally memorize your lines? Or, um, a monologue, it can take me a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's just lines, like in a scene, mm-hmm. it's a lot quicker because there's give and take. Okay. Um, so it's just a little help to re- like me- remembering tools, I guess, right. is what, or memory tools and when you get a cue off somebody else, off your other. Yeah, okay. and, and when you listen to what they're saying hmm. and put yourself in the character's place, how the character respond, it's it's easier to do that. Uh, the, the show that I'm in now starts off with a ginormous monologue. And not only do I have a monologue, there's parts of the monologue where two other characters are talking over me. Oh, really? And we're in different... I, I'm not in the scene. I'm making air quotations. Uh, I'm on television. They're watching me on television. Oh. So the second I break concentration and hear them mm-hmm. when they're talking over me, I'll get lost. Oh, and that's Brood. That's the production yeah, you're in right now. Correct. And tell us a little bit about Brood. Well, Brood is a wonderful play written by uh, Scott T. Barsotti. Um, and it's being done by the No Name Players right here in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about six sisters. Oh, boy, it's hard to explain. It really is. Uh, It's about six sisters who have a common interest, uh, so to speak. Okay. Um, And there's also one outsider in the play who's not one of the sisters. So it's about six women, seven women, six Mm -hmm. sisters, and and one woman. Um, And it's it's a very challenging play. Mm -hmm. It breaks a lot of uh, normal 
gender barriers that you would see in regular productions. Yeah. Um, there's certainly no patriarchy in mm-hmm. the show. Uh, and it's, it's a wonderful group of women that I'm working with. Um, they're all just amazingly strong Nice. Actors. Is this more comedy or is it drama with it's hints a, of comedy? It's a dark comedy. The dark comedy. Yeah. The stuff that's funny is uh, <laughs> probably not intentionally funny. Uh, but it's it's pretty well written. Um, most of the reviews have been really well received except for one who just quote unquote didn't get it. Oh. And, uh, you know, that's fine. Uh, everybody takes something different away mm-hmm. from a live show. How long has it been going on? Three, two weeks. Where we start our last four shows tomorrow. Oh, okay. So if you want to see it, it's probably going to be too late by the time you hear this podcast. <laughs> but it was awesome. It was the best show <laughs> it was <great>. ever. <laughs> Do you have anything lined up after this already? I would imagine. I mean, you know, I, I I can see from your a lot of things that you've done, like on your Facebook timeline and stuff, that you're like consistent with booking gigs and whatnot and which is great it is um i'm lucky that i can be relatively selective in what i do Mm -hmm. you know i don't have to take everything that comes down the pipeline Mm. um but i'm also a very unique type okay not a lot of things are written for the type of character that i am Uh, and i know my limitations and i know what i can and can't do so i usually know what i can audition for what type of character would you say that you are um I would like to think of myself as, uh, you know, like the Melissa McCarthy type. Okay. Um, I, I like to think that I have pretty spot-on uh, comedic timing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's usually the comedic roles I go out for. And my agent wants to me to go towards the more dramatic roles. Okay. Because the TV shows that are shooting in town right now are both Yeah, they're heavy. dramas, heavy dramas. Yeah, they're heavy shows. Um So there's been a lot of uh, talk about, you know, stop doing all the funny stuff. You got the funny stuff. Do something different. So it's it's, it's more you just trying to step outside of your comfort zone. Are you just more right. comfortable with comedy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And when actually when I went to, to audition for Brood for No Name, um, <laughs> I, I auditioned for every character except the one I got cast for. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and she's by far... I would say the most gregarious sister mm-hmm. uh, of all of them. She's a little bit bigger mm-hmm. than everybody, uh, grander, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really happy. Her personality yeah. is much more. And the the type of role that she has in the family and her uh, occupation. She's a race car driver. She, oh, she's She's a NASCAR driver. Oh, wow. And a pretty successful one. Nice. <laughs> uh, and I just did a play where I was a uh, the first female hockey player in uh, a minor league for a minor league team. Oh, so, wow. breaking barriers. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> when did you make the transition from, are you doing more theater or are you doing more film? Or It seems like I do more film. Um, what was your first film oh, experience that you, that you can recall? Or one of your first? Uh, it, it would, ha- ooh, I, it might be, <laughs> it might be an episode of uh, Tales of the Highway Patrol that was a show in the 80s. Okay. <laughs> um, and I think I did a public access show when I was a teenager. Um, I, was a, I did stand-up comedy. I was horrible. Uh, but people would clap, and they would bring me back every week. Um, so you weren't that horrible. 
or you just had a lot of friends and family that were that, that could be in the too. audience. But I think that that may have been my first show, Tales of the Highway Patrol. I think I played girlfriend number three. Nice. Um, big stuff. Yeah. Big, big ground. Big the, number one on the IMDb right there, Tales of the Highway <laughs> Patrol. I think that was the name of it. Do you remember that show? Was, I have no idea yeah, what that show it was is. Pre-cops. Is it? Oh. And it was in reenactments. The 80s? Really? Yeah. Tales of the Highway Patrol. And it was the old. Uh, I think he used to be a corporal, maybe, for the Highway Patrol in California. Monty, oh, I can't remember his name, but he used to... It was around the time of Unsolved Mysteries, the oh, Robert okay. Stack thing. Yeah. It was in that vein, but it wasn't nearly oh, as dark. Okay. And there had been a bank robbery in Morgantown. <laughs> and they, and the dude, like, got away, and uh, they, they finally cornered him in a, a hotel. Hmm still in Morgantown and they came and did the reenactment and I think they just pulled a handful of people from the theater department to be in this reenactment. Really? And we, yeah. So I think that's, that was <laughs> that's good stuff. Good stuff right there. Okay, so let's, um, I guess, kind of scooch on over to the... Oh, oh, I don't mean to interrupt, but coming up, we were talking about things that I have coming yeah. the pipeline. I, um, we just launched today, it's a short film called Muck. Okay, yeah, tell me about that. And it is going to be filmed in Buchanan, West Virginia. which is oh, Where is that? Around 30 minutes from where I grew up. Buchanan? Yeah, if you go, if you get on I-79 south of Morgantown, mm. keep headed like you're going to Charleston, mm. you'll eventually hit exit 99, Route 33, and that's Upshur County, Buchanan. Okay. And it's, uh, it's a union film, and it's all cast by DC actors. And I just happened to send in a... Uh, taped audition mm. and they loved it so they hired me <laughs> so what's your role congratulations i am the sheriff of oh. upshire county Lisa nice. Hughes. so i'm pretty excited it's, it's a good script it's a, it's a short script it's like 30 pages mm-hmm. um but she's she's pretty funny so i dig that uh and it's kind of based off serial oh, okay these unsolved yeah. type mystery things oh wow. that sounds really interesting yeah so the the guy is the characters from DC and he finds about this unsolved mystery in Buchanan. So he goes to Buchanan and does his own, um, investigation. Yeah. That's really cool. When do you start shooting? Uh, we start shooting August 1st. Oh, wow. How long do you think that's going to, it's a eight day shoot. I think that's that's not bad. You said it's like 30 page script. Not bad at all. And my, I'll shoot for two days, uh, be able to spend time with my family. So that's oh, that's awesome. awesome. So you still have family down in All West Virginia? Oh. Yeah. Are you the only one the here? I got out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your, what are your family reunions, quote unquote, like? We don't really do those. Well, we, I mean, just like when you guys get back together. Yeah, Is there anything uh, in particular, anything special that you have to do when you get back with your family or when you go back home? No. <laughs> We're so <laughs> boring. We're the most boring people. Um, like both my sisters live there and they both have, fa- uh, they're both married. Um, and I have a niece who's living in Morgantown. Hmm. But my sisters have dogs, mm-hmm. and I, I go play with the dogs, so that's my thing. Where do you fall? Are they younger sisters? or? Oh, they're both older. Okay, yeah, so I'm you're the baby. the baby. Aww. I'm the baby. So no wonder you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Says the older sibling. <laughs> but there's, there's so much, uh, so many years between me and my oldest sister that mm-hmm. she was starting college. Oh, wow. And I was starting kindergarten. Oh, man. So it was like 
she did she wasn't there growing oh. up. And, you know, we're close now, of course. Right. Uh, and then there's the middle sister who nobody remembers the middle child. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Uh, but yeah, so when I go home, I, I you know I spend a lot of time with them and um, hang out with my parents, try to do things around the house because they're. I was a late in life child, yeah. So they're my mom will be seventy nine this month. Oh man! And my dad's eighty, uh, and they're both in good health. Yeah, but, but you know sometimes they can't change those light bulbs or right. You know, I don't know what people do. Mow <laughs> the lawn. Hire somebody to mow the lawn. Come on. <laughs> yes, that's one of the things that bugs me nowadays. I don't know what kids are doing, but I, back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> kids, you would be able to find neighborhood kids who are willing to mow your lawn or shovel your snow for a nominal fee. And um, but now, like, they would knock on your door, like they would take it upon themselves to do it. But I have yet to, I think once I've I've had a child come and knock on my door and offer to mow the lawn. <laughs> well, they do in my neighborhood. I think my husband scared him off because he asked him if he had a business plan. What? <laughs> Start him young. <laughs> but yeah, they, in my neighborhood, they'll knock on the door, mostly for snow removal. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a lot of teenagers that live up on my hill, so I'm always well plowed. Well, good. The, well, that's good. at least they're the they're somewhere. Not the lawn, the uh, sidewalk. Yeah. So at least they're somewhere. Someone's doing it. Yeah, so. so the kids at Penn Hills are good kids. All right. Shoveling good to snow. know. All right. No no disrespect to those kids who are out there working it or working. <laughs> Um, okay, so the Pittsburgh 48 Hour Film Project. Ooh. You have participated every year? No. Okay. Um, I think it's just my third year. Really? Yeah. That's it. I might have done something early. No, I didn't. Not here. I don't think so. I think, it, yeah, I think it's just my third one with, hmm. the, with the same team. Okay, and with, with Confluence? Yes. Okay. And do you recall what your first year was like? Uh, like? The first year was great. It was... Uh, an ass early call time, which it always is. You know, it was like 7 a.m. Uh, and normally I would be getting off work around 7. So my sleep schedule for years was messed up because mm. I worked overnights. Or worked 24-hour shifts or, you know, whatever. Um, but it was an early call time. and It was this beaten up, run-down building in McKee's Rocks. <coughs> and we shot... Is this the... The, the the apocalyptic yeah. Christmas one. Yeah, the apocalypse. <laughs> last straw. The last straw. There you go. <laughs> one uh, best film. Yes. Best of Pittsburgh that year. Yes. Um, it was. We shot it. Geez, four or five hours. We were done. Wow. It was pretty quick. And you know, it's all on the fly. You're if you get a script <coughs> in the morning, you're fortunate. Yeah. Um, which we did. Um, and of course, we made a lot of changes as. We went on and dialogue uh, happened, and, and I think it was, I think it was four, right around four minutes. Is that what is it? Four to seven? Yeah, four to seven. I think so. We you were, were probably like a little over four. I think we we could have been seven for all I know, but I just remember it being really short. And we had a little girl, and she was fantastic. Uh, Jillian O'Neill was in it. She's oh, was she? Money in the bank. She is. <coughs> she's so good. It's ridiculous. Uh, oh, I guess she, was she the little girl's mother? Yeah. It? In okay. The, yeah, and I think uh, Jamil Bowie was in it that year. Mm-hmm. He was. I yelled at him. That was pretty much my own. My only line was <laughs> I yelled at Jimmy. Uh And he's awesome. And um, I'm drawing a blank here, but it was it was a good cast. Now, how does it? The I'm sure 
a 48 hour film project film and is much different process for you acting in that as opposed to any other theater or film experience that you've had. I mean, it's everything much quicker. And like you said, right. like the script is most of it's going to be on the fly and you don't have that much time to prepare. Did that, did you find a trouble in that and getting yourself prepared? I didn't uh, because I like to fly by the seat of my pants. Oh, okay. I like, so it was like right up your alley. Yeah. I like the Christopher Guest movies. I like the Larry David movies or you know, the Larry David projects mm. where you might get a beat sheet. You mm. might get a line of dialogue, right? But everything else is just a, a beginning, middle, and end. You figure out how to get there. Nice. So that that kind of stuff I like, and it, and it really is. The, the actors have it the easiest. Mm. There's no pressure on the actors. The editors, I feel sorry for the guys that are scoring it. Uh, the and mostly the editors. Yeah, mostly <laughs> the editors. That the the bit that they showed before the. Um, films last year oh the rendering, the rendering was so funny so, <laughs> so funny. true and the guy hands off like somebody gave a laptop because it hadn't <laughs> rendered yeah someone just take the laptop it, it doesn't it doesn't matter we'll yeah. just we'll just leave it here and there's a million things that can go wrong mm-hmm. there's very little that can go right and a million things that can go wrong and it's a fantastic and if if nobody if you haven't done the 48 hour film project you need to do it you're listening to this and you're like should i shouldn't i do it exactly so if there's any if you are interested at all in any form of filmmaking or whatnot even not really it's just like a really good exercise a creative exercise yeah. and also like stamina and figuring out who you are the things that you can and can achieve or won't or will or won't put up with mm-hmm. I, I think it's like a really good test of that and you basically run it yourself right yeah you're like Maybe the well. only producer yeah, uh, for the last crazy. for the last two years, yeah, the only producer. That's just a ridiculous amount of responsibility. It Thank is. you for doing it. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. <laughs> Woo, I would, I would like shut down the website. Like, no, we're not going to do it this year. I need a nap. Girl, that's that's the main thing that I'm looking for afterwards when it's all said and done. Like by that fourth screen, by the best of awards ceremony, I'm just like, <laughs> just done with it. I just want to like hand it just here, just find your name on the on the trophies and you know just go. I mean, I'm just gonna just go tweet sleep. It. Just, Everybody <laughs> will say it. It'll I'm be just fine. I'm just gonna go to sleep. I just want to sleep. <laughs> but um, so you said you liked going by like flying by the seat of your pants. Do you have a history in improv? Do you have you done improv? Do you do improv? I do improv. Um. I've done improv. I haven't done it in, in a long time, but I did it a lot when I was in college, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the '90s when it was New really emerging as a art form. You know, it's been around. The Second City's been around since the '50s, mm-hmm. but you know, the '90s was when it really started to to push it to the forefront. So we had an improv group in Morgantown. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach an improv for actors class. Oh, do you? Uh, yeah, I do uh, with Nancy Mosser um, oh, cool. for her. And it's a it's a workshop that we teach that and we meaning I uh, just wrapped up the first one. It was pretty successful. Uh, but we have some great, you know, improv places in town, some great theaters. Yeah. Um, I know Arcade Comedy is one of them. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't really know. I guess I don't know the theaters as much as I know the groups. I know Hustlebot. Yeah. Funny um, guys. Funny, yeah. Funny guys. Um, well-known strangers, yep. I think, was another one. They've they're participating this year in the forty-eight. Boy, that sock puppet one they did, right? Was just brilliant. <laughs> that was a great film. I love that film. That was so good. Uh, darn, darn you to hell. Was that the name? Yeah, of it? Darn, darn to darn hell. Darn to hell. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, sock puppets are like, you know, 
my uh, that's an easy laugh for me. <laughs> it's like what? They're but it was so good. It was so good. But it was done so well. So I mean, it wasn't like a cheese ball one, but like yeah. So I'm super stoked that those guys are coming back as well as um you know it's cool to see everybody that does return as often as they do. Um, I know Ted and Confluence Productions <laughs> always says every like after he finally won the best film of Pittsburgh. He was like, okay, no more, I'm done, I'm retired, and he's been back, like, twice. Yeah, yeah. Well, he won, the year we won, it wasn't Confluence Productions. That's right. He had the alias. That's right, and, and he I was had, bummed about that. I had never gone to the, the pick. Okay. So he sends me. He's like, nobody will know you. Nobody will know what team you're on. I get up there, and I remember you sick the mic in my face. They're like, what group are you with? I'm like, Vandalay Productions. <laughs> like, What? That's stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> and then they won. <laughs> so we, the year we won, it was not Confluence Productions. It was Vandalay Productions. So when you um, are participating, are you mostly, are you just acting? Is that your main um, focus? Or do you like to fill in and do anything else? Uh, well, when you do the 48, everybody, you know, you, you may be reading lines off camera holding a boom mic, mm. you know, so you're, you're in definitely involved in everything now i don't do anything post-production because i just don't have the um i can't sit still long enough to edit the bandwidth yeah uh there's only so much ram (laughs) in my head and so yeah when when you do the 48 uh, if you go thinking you're just going to be an actor Mm -hmm. you're going to make a lot of people angry um because you know everybody needs to chip in, mm-hmm. and we were fortunate the the first year, the, the year that we won, that we could all do it in one place. Mm-hmm. Last year we had several location shoots, and that we learned a couple of valuable lessons about time management. Oh God! Um, but we shot all day last year. All day Saturday. Yeah, Just... like up to eleven o'clock at night, midnight. It was crazy. Damn. With like an eight o'clock call time. Is there anything that you're most excited about for this year? Um, is there a genre that you want to get? Um, really badly that you haven't sunk your teeth into yet. No, I don't think there's a, I would prefer, well, I would prefer not to have the musical. Uh, and I would prefer not to have the one we had last year, which was the, we did the silent film last year. That's right. Um, which, you know, was fine. It came out well. It came out, you know really good yeah but it was just like come on well, can we talk yeah <laughs> well yeah but you guys did the um you guys pulled double duty last year you did cleveland and pittsburgh in the same weekend and uh cleveland's wasn't silent so were you guys going back and forth from cleveland did you shoot no i think it was all shot here uh except for they did there was like a mike the, one of the halves of Confluence mm-hmm. lives in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And before he came down Saturday, he shot, I guess, B-roll gotcha. of Cleveland stuff. Okay, yeah, I remember there was like a Cleveland skyline or something yeah. like that maybe in there. So he had shot uh, the B-roll during the the, the 48 hours mm-hmm. and then brought it to Pittsburgh with him. Okay. And they edited it. That's such a tough word. Edit in past tense. English. Uh, words so are hard. words hard. So um, I know that uh, you guys have been doing three by seven films. Yes. Like every weekend. First of all, where does the name come from? Three by seven. Um, that is a Ted Haynes 
uh, special. Gotcha. <laughs> he was so inspired by Mark Duplass's uh, South by Southwest speech mm. that he decided he was going to <laughs> create a Facebook group <laughs> called 3 by 7 Films, meaning every seven days we would make a three-minute short film. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Okay. So some and of them have been longer, mm -hmm. but the, the ideal goal was to, you know, just, just put down three minutes and see what happens. And this is like what? This this went on for 15, 16 I weeks? Th I think we're on 17. Oh, wow. I could be It might be 18. We started uh, the weekend of my birthday, so March 22nd, 23rd, that okay. weekend. Wow. Um, That's pretty great. Yeah. That um, it's been able to carry on for so long and people have uh submitted scripts and mm -hmm. said do what you want with them so basically it's, yeah it's just kind of like that it's almost like a i don't know like a bulletin board i guess um or like an employment office of sorts uh people submit scripts that they've written or people are like hey i want to shoot something or hey i want to play a role such as this and you guys kind of the the most effective way to get a film shot is to pick a date mm-hmm and then say what you need, mm -hmm. and then people start to fill in. Oh, okay. And by the time the date rolls around, you have a shoot on your hands. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you seen all of them that were done? Have, have they all been edited? We or? have several that are in editing right now uh -huh. uh, because people, it's all volunteer. Mm -hmm. um, some people are editing that have never edited before, so this oh, is wow. like a new thing for them. Okay. So, so some of the process is a little slower. Yeah. Uh, the first ones, I think the first five or six we shot on a Saturday or Sunday and had it up on the YouTube channel by Wednesday. Oh, man. But um, it's slowed down. The, the editing has slowed down a little bit. Oh, it happens. It's editing. summer. Once the yeah. snow hits the ground, there'll be plenty of time for editing. Yeah. <laughs> no one's going no to be doing anything. Um, so, and yeah. So, there's a YouTube channel. Yes. 3x7 Films. Correct. YouTube as well as the Facebook page, 3x7 Films. And uh, Twitter. At 3x7 films. Sweet. You were going to say something and I totally cut you off. And Instagram, 3x7 Oh, really? Films. Yeah. You guys are on the gram. You guys are all over the place just making sure that trying to connect folks. And if you have a script you'd like to email, email at 3x7films at gmail.com. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so what else are you up to, Cindy? Oh. That's a good question. Let me think about it. Um, well, I'm, I'm finishing up uh, Brood. We got four days left. Mm. So I'll be sorry to see the show go. Uh, do, you, do you write at all? I don't. That ADD, ADHD mm. kicks in and I just can't. I, I want to. Mm -hmm. Like I, 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 Ideally, I want to write a... You know who Anna Deaver-Smith is? No. Okay. Um, the, she's been on a lot of things. But did you watch The West Wing? No. Ah! <laughs> uh, hold on, I got an IMDb. I think she was maybe on How to Get Away with Murder. I, I know she's on something now. But anyway, she had perfected the one-woman show in the 90s. Okay. Uh, she had done um, some just very hot topic political. Like, she's, she's a game changer. Okay. She's doing one now in San Francisco about... The Baltimore riots. Okay. Um, she's she's brilliant. She I I saw her do um, the one she did one after the Rodney King beating. Oh wow! Called uh, something fires. 
Oh my goodness, I can't believe I can't remember it. But that was the first one I saw. Mm-hmm. In, I think I saw it in Brooklyn. And just fell in love with her. She's wow. amazing. She's a, a tour de force. And I've always wanted to do a show like that. Okay. So my background is in uh, EMS. I was a paramedic for 15 years. Oh, really? And I, I want to... I think I knew to, that. <clears throat> probably, 15 years. Yeah, 99, I think I started. Wow. Uh, so I want to do a show... In, in the vein of the way she does hers, um, with, I can't decide if I want to do actual 911 calls or mm. have first responders tell me their stories and put the stories into a show mm. or turn it into performance art, immersive theater. I don't know. Yeah. But that's ideally uh, what I want to that's do. That's really interesting. I would definitely see something like that. Why, why did you um, stop EMS, working at the EMS? It's hard. Like, it's rough on your body. It's rough on your mind. Mm. I worked. Um, at one point, I was working upwards of a hundred hours a week. Really? Every week. Oh my uh, god. So a week? Yeah. I would do like two twenty fours, two sixteens, and then oh I had a god. day like an eight or ten hour shift that I would run at another service. Oh my god. Um, no, I think I did a. I did four tens, a twenty four, a sixteen. And then an occasional 24 to another service on my day off. Uh, That's horrifying. Yeah. 15 years. So I probably only did that for about eight years. Only? (laughs) (laughs) One week and I'd be ready to like burn something down. Like it's not. Well, most of it's routine Mm. calls. You know, it's occasionally that you have to put your skills to work. And Mm. when you have to put your skills to work, you better know your skills. Right. Because somebody's life could very well be in the balance. Um, So there's a lot of. Uh, second guessing I think sometimes mm. should I have done something different but I followed the protocol and they still died and right. you know it's you know in the grand scheme of things you didn't kill them right but sometimes late at night when you overthink a call right uh, you think it's your fault that's so. horrifying how far how long ago did you quit um, I still occasionally work special events mm-hmm. and, um, uh, like, I mean like concerts work. and stuff or mostly, um, the, uh, places like 10 K runs of... or mud mm-hmm. runs, those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and occasionally I'll work as a set medic for like a friend who needs a medic. They have a crash that day or they have a stunt that day. Okay. Uh, you know, so I still do that. I still have equipment, um, and I still have contacts, but as far as full time, I don't do it anymore. Yeah. So speaking of like being rough on your mind, I know that you uh, tweeted earlier today that you had a callback today, and it was pretty nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you can you talk about that at all? As, like, um, I don't want to jinx it. Okay. Uh, well, what what made it? Um, I was a fan of the director. Okay. He from way back. He okay. had directed episodes of Moonlighting. For Christ's okay. sake, I mean this guy's a legend. Wow. So it was pretty. Uh, and, and, of course, the call mag, the women that I was up against are mm. all, you know, top-notch mm. talent. So, mm. um, it's... Uh, the last time I had a call back, uh, I wasn't as sure of myself this time as I was last time. Last time gotcha. I walked, I owned the room, I went in, I, uh-huh. I engaged the director in conversation, mm-hmm. uh, got the part, got offered the part in the room, mm-hmm. and I was the first one for the call back, so... Oh. That felt yeah. good. This was the opposite of that. Is there anything that you do to prepare yourself besides, you know, rehearse your lines? And, but is there anything you do to, like, get your mind right before uh, It an depends audition? on where the audition is. 
Um, for instance, if it's at Donabella Jacks, mm-hmm. I park in the same space. What and if it's not available? It's always available. <laughs> <laughs> I park on the, the top floor one of the garages. Oh, okay. Nobody wants to go to the 10th floor, so there's always like 82 <laughs> spots open. And I like get out of my car and I run some lines and I do some, uh, you know, speak the speech I pray ye as I, pray, you know, some little vocal thing. So I do the same thing. Okay. Um, but usually when I'm auditioning for a feature or a TV show, it's like three lines. Mm. You know, it's not. So it's not enough time. Yeah, it's not, for you to... <laughs> not not reciting pages and pages of, of notes here. But it was funny. I I did the um, audition for the Will Smith movie. Oh yeah, and I got the call back. This is a football movie. Yeah, that, that football movie. Concussion. Okay. Um, well, that's the working title. I guess that'll be the title. I don't know. Um, and and I went in and I, a fan of the director. He had only directed one movie, who, which I had fallen in love with when I saw it. Uh-huh. Um, so I kind of engaged him in conversation, and my uh, my call back was on nine eleven. Oh. Really? Of this year. I think, yeah, I think, and, and it was, we, we talked about what I was doing on the actual 9-11. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, he got to know me, mm-hmm. you know, and then I, I did the callback and he liked it. Um, and then when I got to set, <laughs> the way the shot was set up, uh, he didn't give me enough dialogue. There oh. was still a lot of room to go. And I'm the only one in the scene that speaks. Oh. It's Will Smith on my right, Gugu Mbatha on my left, and I'm the only one talking. So it's a little bit nerve-wracking there as well. Just a- Wee bit. Uh, yeah, with Alec Baldwin sitting in the chair. Shut the front door. Corner, right? Oh. Uh, he was the first person I saw when I got to set. I was like, oh, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> and you, you lose all faculties at that point. Oh, yeah. That, 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 I went to a taping of SNL a couple years ago. Oh, so and awesome. Alec Baldwin was surprised. He just kind of popped up. He was on the, um, uh, the Weekend Update. He was a character on the Weekend Update. And like. I'm just like, what? Alec, what? <laughs> and I'm like trying, like, can I get out? Because is he going to still be around? Like, <laughs> I did And that's not how my day started, right? <laughs> and then the next person I see is, well, I didn't see Will Smith until we actually shot the scene, um, which was at the end of the day. Uh, but it, it was a great experience, but I had run out of dialogue. Peter Landisman's the director. He's like, can you just make shit up? I'm like, yeah, I, sure. I, can, I can make it. I can do a lot of stuff. Uh, and it's a steady cam shot and it goes on for a long time and it'll probably be cut uh, because I stepped on Will Smith's feet 13 times. And, uh, he's got big feet. Come on. Does he? And we're, we're this close. Is he really tall? Yeah. Because uh, you can never tell. I mean, like his wife is petite. So when you yeah. look at pictures of them together, it's like, Meh, he could be 5'7". And, and ridiculously nice. Uh. Just that's good to hear good to hear he between takes he would there was always like a positive he's like man that's that's some tough that's some tough stuff you're saying (laughs) like oh thank you that's so nice but like after the seventh or eighth take um an extra pulls me aside Mm -hmm. and says um listen uh i'm an emt and the vital signs that you're saying aren't really what they would be if she was having the problem that you say she's having and i'm like dumbfounded you know he doesn't know i'm a paramedic uh-huh. you know he just thinks i'm an actor right and the first ad came over and he's like sir you need to not talk to the actors ah. and i'm like he just grabbed me and, and told me as i'm working wow you know, i'm already self-conscious enough. wow yeah so that completely is just gonna throw you off yeah and uh he was trying to steal your thunder he wanted to yeah he was trying to make you look bad and then hope so he could step in to yeah. that role and, you know, it's, I've worked as an extra. It's a mm. thankless job. Mm. And some days it's fun and some days it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that was one of those days where those extras were in holding for 10 hours 11 hours before they even got out to set you know so i'm sure they were all and there was a nurse uh in the scene too and you know i consulted with her i ran the vital signs Mm pastor i was like do you think this you know does this sound right for you she's like yeah you know, so it wasn't like I just made him up willy nilly, and I don't want to give away what happens in the story, but the no. what's happening to the character, you know, I've I've seen many times in my career. Are, are you playing a paramedic? Yes, okay. <laughs> I'm playing a city of Pittsburgh paramedic. Okay, <laughs> but when I auditioned, it was like uh, I think I got the part because I was the only um, paramedic in Allegheny County with a SAG card. <laughs> so I tell everybody that's why I yes. got the part. I'm like it was just cheaper to hire me. <laughs> That's that's pretty great. (laughs) So once after your auditions, like today, what did you do to to settle yourself? I went straight to Norwin High School to watch the Carolina Crown Drum and Bugle Corps practice. Hmm. You have no idea what Drum and Bugle Corps is, do you? None. The best youth activity in the world. Why? What is it? <laughs> it's a bunch of kids, literally ages 14 to 21, mm-hmm. who tour the country for three months mm-hmm. and play 11 and a half minutes of insane music on the field. Really? Yeah. It's it's incredible. There's all sorts of instruments? Like, what are the instruments? Brass and percussion. Oh, okay. And now, it, the, when I was in it, it was just brass, just percussion. What did you play? Guard. I was a, a soprano player because the instruments back then were in the key of G. Mm-hmm. So instead of trumpet, I played soprano because it was the name of the voice. So okay. I had the soprano voice and you had the mellophones and the baritones and the euphoniums. Now they're B-flat instruments and they're called trumpets, tubas, oh. euphoniums. You know, they, they have legit names now and there's also electronics involved. Such um, as? Mostly uh, there's one kid in the pit who has like this sweet DJ setup. Nice. And just runs. That's awesome. You know, that sounds fun. Yeah. It's It's... It's great. Because I, I do enjoy a good marching band. Yeah, like these, I, these will blow your mind. Wow. Yeah. And what school is this again? They were on their way through. Oh. So they stopped at Norwin High School to rehearse for two days. They're from Fort Mill, South Carolina. Oh, wow. And they are the they won the world championship in 2013. But a lot of guys that I marched with back in the day mm-hmm. teach there now. So it's, oh. my core doesn't exist anymore, so it's kind of like my adopted core. Nice. But uh, I did. I, I went out there last night. And then that's why I was late getting here today because I, <laughs> I wanted to see Ensemble so bad. But I was like, oh, I can't make her wait anymore. I got to get there. Uh, but they'll pack up now and head to Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is like 500 and some miles. Yeah. And then they'll get up and rehearse again. Wow. So, yeah, I never played instruments in, any, in anything like that in school. I started to play the violin nice. um, later, like recently. And... Uh, I had piano lessons when I was a kid, but I hated my piano teacher. She was so mean, so I quit <laughs> after, like, maybe that's, a couple of years or that's something. That's a shame, man. You know, same thing with acting coaches. Mm. You know, if if you want kids to excel in arts, you need to encourage them mm. any way you can. Right. It's like you're not saying to, like, you know, fill their head with cotton candy and whatnot. Like, you know, oh, not telling them that if they're doing something wrong, but right. don't be just, don't be an ass about yeah. <laughs> about them trying to learn this new craft did you have an acting coach do you have an acting coach i if i have a big audition coming up i'll call like um like uh i'm a big fan of randy kovitz mm-hmm. and okay. the classes that he teaches um you know and 
I'm not afraid to to call them up and say, hey, listen, can you give me an hour mm-hmm. and walk me through this or whatever. Um, what usually happens? Um, is it just more about helping you find that character? That and um, if you if you do the same monologue for a long time, mm-hmm. you start to get stale and you your choices aren't as fresh. Mm-hmm. So having another set of eyes on it can really, you know, bring something that you haven't been doing. I've been doing the same monologue for three years, but if I go with somebody to coach me for an hour, mm-hmm. I come away with it different than it was oh. before. And Jack Erdy, do you know Jack Erdy? I don't think so. He lives in L.A. now, but um, anytime I have a, a film audition, I always run lines with Jack. He's amazing with um, insight. Mm. Because I can coach other actors, mm-hmm. but when it comes to coaching yourself, it's completely different. I'm sure. So Because you really nice can't to, see what you're doing wrong or... Right. Or you think everything you're doing is wrong. Right. It's, you know, an extreme... Um, it, it can be one extreme or the other. So, uh, you know, I, I recommend Randy's fantastic. And um, there's Jill Wadsworth. She's amazing. Uh, but those are the two. These are both in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Those are the two that I've studied with the most. What is, can you say what your monologue is that you do? Or? The monologue I do, uh, I do a contemporary um, dramatic monologue from a Neil LeBute play called The Break of Noon. That nobody does because it's a horrible play. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I do. And then I have. Why did you a, choose that? Because uh, David Duchovny uh. played the role on, on Off Broadway. So uh. are you a big Duchovny fan? What? A, no, what do they never call heard. I don't know who he is. Dukes. We're called Files. <laughs> Files. P H I L E S. Files. Did you watch the um? What was that show that he's on now? Uh, Aquarius. Yes. Yeah. Did you watch that? What are your thoughts on that? I it's, I watched it all. Well, it's got a second season, so yeah. yay. At first, that. I thought it was just going to be a, a one-off, just a so summer thing. And I think they may have thought so, too. <laughs> oh, we're coming back. <laughs> we weren't done. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did you watch the network version or the Hulu version? I watched whatever. They put all of them on demand Okay. on cable, and sh- I watched all of those. All right, so you probably saw the, they shot extended scenes. Cause they yeah, I think they're different- all pretty long. They're all like... Like, seriously, straight like, a little over an hour, maybe. A and couple. they could get away with stuff that the network censors wouldn't let them get away with. Oh, really? So there's um, essentially two versions of the show. Two really? Two of the show, yeah. Huh. Uh, it started off really interesting to me, but, I mean, the way they're selling it, I thought there was going to be more Charlie Manson yeah. stuff. And this and is more like Charlie Manson, I don't want to say light, but, like, before he goes pro, I yeah. guess. <laughs> when he's still calling his followers. Yeah. When he's still... Uh, but what I found confusing was the first couple of episodes, everybody looked alike. I thought they were all Charles Manson. Thank they you. all have the, the beard and the hair. Right. And the, I couldn't tell one from the other. Yeah, it was. T- it took me a couple episodes to, uh, to figure that out. And then it also took me a minute to realize, I was confused as to why there were so many new cases that kept popping up. I was like, if this is just a one-off, why do we keep introducing new things? Yeah. Like, But I don't know. I mean, I'll watch the second season. Definitely. Um, Duchovny <laughs> reminds me of a friend of mine, my um, uh, one of my best friends. He lives in Austin, and they have that same little overbite thing. So like his their mouths do the same thing. So that's <laughs> so every time With I the think, yeah, exactly. So it's like every time I watch Duchovny, it's like Zach. <laughs> but I can't get enough of uh, you know they're filming 
the X-Files now. Yeah. And, um, uh, I never watched it. Okay, I gotta go. <laughs> um, that's, I can't even. I watched one episode and it just happened to be like probably the scariest episode ever. Home? I don't know, whatever. It Family had like. Under the bed with the mom yes, under the bed. Yep, that yes. Home. That's the one. It was like, I was, you know, for, I don't know when it came out or whatever. I was like, you know, let me give X-Files a try. I'm going I'm to name drop. <laughs> Tucker Smallwood plays Sheriff Taylor in that. And uh, I love Tucker Smallwood. Anything he does, uh, he does a lot of science fiction. Mm. You probably saw him on Deep Space Nine. I never watched. Oh, oh okay. I, I'm, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> let's see how it is. Okay. I did, um, I, while we're on the subject, no Battle Scar- Star Galactica, no the Star Trek. Track, um. Trek. <laughs> You're the worst. You're <laughs> such a bad geek. You are such a bad I have a, geek. I have a section. I've got sections. Yeah. <laughs> My geekdom goes to different areas and not sci-fi. <laughs> I don't know how we can say friends. I don't know. We'll figure something out. <laughs> the X-Files, watch the X-Files. We're doing uh, X-FilesNews.com um, is actually doing a rewatch right now. Oh, really? Until the premiere in January. Are they all on uh, Netflix? I think one through nine are on Netflix. Or Hulu. I think they might be on Hulu. Yeah, they are. But I got the discs. You're all right. Um, yeah, I think, like, you know, I feel like I'm old enough now as to where I can... Uh, yeah. Probably but, appreciate a little more. But that episode that you saw um, mm. takes place in the fictional town of Home, Pennsylvania, which is not fictional. It exists. <laughs> uh, and it's not too far from Pittsburgh. <laughs> and um, it was an episode so disturbing that the network wouldn't run it again. Oh, it really? It did not run again until it went to syndication. Yeah, that's when I saw it. I was like, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was in syndication. It was, it was probably like in, I actually remember the apartment that I was in when I, when I saw the damn thing. It was like 2001, maybe? But when Those Who Kill shot here, the TV show, mm-hmm. the showrunner was Glenn Morgan, who wrote the episode home. Oh, really? So I was all up on him the, as an extra. I'm like, oh, Glenn Morgan, you know me. We've met. And I had met him before because I do X-Files events. And, um, X-Files events? Yeah. What's you see that? my tattoo? No. This is Jillian Anderson's autograph. You see it? Oh, my God. You are hardcore. Yeah, I was pretty drunk. Let's, she signed it and I, I went and got a tattoo. said it and we're gonna. So wait, so is, is an X Files convention? Uh, not a convention. I have a friend who wrote a book, mm-hmm. and then I have another group of friends who do um, philanthropic things. Mm-hmm. Uh, in and it usually goes to charities that people from the X Files that okay. worked on the X Files, you know, pick a charity and, and okay. we raise money. Well, not me personally. I'm not involved in uh, the organization, but I have contributed in the past. Um, uh, and my friend, she wrote a book, and a hundred percent of the proceeds went to uh, the American Cancer Society. Oh, great! Because one of the executive producers, Kim Manners, died of lung cancer. Oh, wow! Um, and it was her way of, you know, yeah. Because for for you know, I don't want to say a TV show changed my life, but I watch TV differently. Like that show, there's been a handful of shows that I've watched from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Remington Steel. <laughs> Moonlighting, <laughs> X Files, Third Watch, and The West Wing are like huh. the only shows that I had never missed. Oh wow! From start to finish, um, and couldn't wait like to Remington Steel, you know, record them and watch them in yes. the morning. <laughs> uh, but the X Files was it was like a game changer for me the, the way I watched television, the way television was presented because it was on the heels of Twin Peaks, right? Which faltered off. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Had you gotten into that show, The X-Files was the next logical step. And gotcha. plus, it ran after uh, 
um, shit, um, Bruce Campbell's show at the time, um, the Cowboy Show. Bruce Campbell had a Cowboy Show. My phone doesn't work in here. I can't Google anything. We're gonna look that up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Campbell's Cowboy um, Show. What was that? It was the lead-in. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. There you go. That was only like a year. That show only lasted for yep. a year. And it was a great show. <laughs> it was a really good show. And it was the lead-in to the X-Files. Uh, I think they both premiered. 93? Well, I know the X-Files was September 10th, 1993. Okay. I'm not sure if that's when Briscoe County Jr. did or not. But. I had gotten off tour. I was marching drum corps at the time, and I'd broken my leg during the summer. And while all my friends were out drinking that Friday, I stayed home mm-hmm. and saw the show called The X-Files. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I never missed an this episode. Amazing. Do you do a bunch of, do you sit down and do a bunch of binge watching? Like, Not you so marathon much it yourself? Yeah. <laughs> I do have episodes that I'll go back to over and over. Like mm-hmm. They did an episode called X-Cops, <laughs> where they made fun of cops and uh, paranormal. It was brilliant, brilliant. Um, Hollywood AD. Uh, th- there's a handful of episodes that are just, uh, um, I keep going back to. Well, I am going to go ahead and go back uh, and um, I'm going to watch the X-Files. You because, Because when it started, like it. I was, I was like, I was like a junior in high school or something when that started. And I wasn't ready. I wasn't mature enough. To take on yeah. the responsibilities. The first season, there's some scary stuff in the first season. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I do enjoy some horror. I do enjoy the good horror. And now that they're shooting again, my Twitter feed is just blown up with... So there's, it's not a movie that they're doing. They're, they're doing they're another season. They're doing another season. Yeah. So I guess you watch Californication, too. I, I gave up after uh, Californication kind of... Uh, I thought season three or season four was horrible, and I quit watching after that. Yeah, I watched the first two seasons. Yeah, the first season then, was fantastic. Yeah, and I was kind of, I don't know, it was just weird. My, um, a friend of mine, his ex-roommate, he says, is the real person that that Hank Mooney is based off of. Really? Yeah. I don't know mm. how true that is. <laughs> well, the one good thing about that show was the women had all the power. Yeah, the female characters had all the power in that show. Right, but there's a lot of redundancy, and and we were seeing the same things over and over. And I started to not care yeah. for the characters anymore. So speaking of female power, do you find it difficult? Um, do you find difficulties being a female in filmmaking at all? Unfortunately, yes. There's there's in the low budget community, maybe not so much because I. Um, I speak my mind, mm. and if if I'm directing something, mm. and guys want to talk over me, I let them know that that's not how it's going to work. Mm. Uh, but but I, you know, I was a lieutenant in the fire department. I see things differently. Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt like I always had to fight mm. for what I wanted, yeah. um, especially in uh, early in my career in EMS. But um, you know, around here, there's there's not nearly as many female filmmakers as I'd like to see. I think at Amen. the 48 last year, there was the, the group that we saw, there was one director, one female director, and that just was upsetting to me. Yeah. You know? I always get super pumped when I see like at least a team leader, a female team leader name. And it's like, oh, you know, hopefully she's not just the one, the only one with the credit card. And that's why yeah. <laughs> she's listed as team leader. Hopefully she's, 
you know, producer or director. And um, yeah, I would like to see much, many more <clears throat> female film directors here. And I'm sure you're aware of the uh, Tumblr uh, shit women directors oh, yeah. here or something like that. Yeah. And that's... That's just like... I was shocked at a lot of those and just really appalled. Like, I mean, I guess not shocked. I don't know. It just was really just fucked up. Like yeah. how blatant and, yeah. and how horrible it is. And I thought that, you know, that was just something that... Because, you know, I've been on, like you said, like indie film shoots and sometimes... Or even just regular things of, um, you know, just a, a gig of doing video for a concert or something like that. I find myself, I've been like the only female in the, in the control room or on set or there. And everybody just kind of, they want to talk down to me and like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And it's just like, you know, I really, and I just kind of hoped that things were better. Like in Hollywood, New York, like with a little more professional where there's more money involved and nope, it's just Just as bad. Yeah. And you know, there's uh, Gina Davis's, uh, gender oh jesus what's her institute called the gina davis to the googles gender equality institute um you know because gina davis is on the forefront of a lot of uh equality issues um and, and recently the the women's world cup team gina davis institute on gender and media gender media yeah yeah that's that's always worth a follow uh, yeah. on her facebook um you know the the women's world cup these athletes getting paid eight million dollars less than the men did oh my god for less i think the men got like nine million nine million for as far as they went and the women only got like maybe two million for winning oh my god so maybe a seven million the eight is sticking in my head somewhere but it might have only been seven million only seven yeah i know right (laughs) I don't, know what, I don't know what we're, we're complaining about. You got your two million ladies. Uh, but, you know, it's it's frustrating. And, and luckily, the, the people that I work with, especially in theater, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot more gender equality. Mm. Uh, it's, it's not so much an issue. Uh, but on a film set, it's a little bit different. Yeah. They, they like to... Some filmmakers like to have a hierarchy and they like to be in that top rung. Right. No, it's definite. Um, it's definitely they try to keep it as a boys' club. Even um, when I get new people for the forty-eight hour film project, uh, even though you know my name, my picture, it's all on the website, and like you know, it's pretty apparent that I'm a female. They will come and look for the producer, and if Dan's with me, they'll like immediately like turn and start talking to him as opposed to me. Wow. And I'm like, hey, hi. I'm- Hello. <laughs> I don't know if you know me, but I'm in charge. So, simmer down. But yeah, it's it's frustrating. I uh, when you run as a paramedic, most of the time your partner is an EMT, mm-hmm. which has a lesser skill set. Mm. You know, does the basic stuff, okay. the basic life support. The paramedic does the advanced life support. Okay. Um, and I worked with the majority of male EMTs, mm-hmm. and when we'd get to scene, you know, people would talk to him, mm. and I'd be like. <laughs> you know, I'm the healthcare, I'm the ranking healthcare professional. You're going to talk to me. And I had, uh, you know, been assaulted more than once. Um, oh, my God. I've had to throw down. I've been shot at. Uh, we've, we we fought more than once with, with patients. Um, wow. and, and I'm not talking 
patients who didn't know any better, like mm. intoxes or uh, a lot of times when you get a diabetic emergency, mm. um, their sugar gets so low that they just lash out, mm. you know. It's, it's easy to know when the person has no control over what they're doing. Mm. Uh, but when somebody just, you know, doesn't like you because you're a woman mm. or, you know, uh, it, it's, it's frustrating. And I, I come across this in, in DCI as well. I, I had made a comment on a DCI page about uh, a meeting of all men. Mm. majority of men like 99 percent men mm. uh white men middle-aged so I, I was like wow there's awful lot of middle-aged white men in that room and immediately the men were like oh i didn't notice it till you brought it out why does i have to be i was like you didn't notice it because you see you right. in that picture that's why you didn't notice it so they tried to turn it around that you know it was because of and then i wasn't doing enough now i volunteer for the drum corps medical project uh you know i i do my part to get back to the activity I love. But mm -hmm. these men who don't know me that were upset because of a little comment I made on Facebook. And I got threats. I got threats. Somebody showed up at my house. What? And uh, it got out of hand a little bit. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, I stood my ground. I'm not going to back down. Good um, for you. It's if somebody tells me that it's my fault for bringing that to their attention, that's their problem, not mine. Right. Exactly. And, and, and I, yeah, I wasn't the only woman that pointed it out either. Right. Well, plus, you were right that they don't see, they didn't see it as a problem because they see themselves represented right. in that. And, like, no. I and they don't those, understand that, you know, and, of course, when I say they, I'm generalizing. The right. people that were in this thread is what right. I mean when I say they. Uh, and then I, I creeped on his Facebook, and it was, like, um, Confederate flag, lived in his mom's basement. Lovely. Uh, computer engineer. I mean, you know, stereotypical... You know, basement troll, yeah. basically, like keyboard thug. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, you know, he had a. I, it was just, it, it was, it, it got out of hand real fast. And I'm an easy target because I don't. You can find me. I mean, I got. I'm all over social media. Mm. You know, uh, it's not that hard to find me. Right. And somebody found me, and it didn't scare me, really, so much as it did. Um, I found it alarming that somebody would go to all that trouble. Like, right. Really, dude, come on. It's like you don't have – this is the biggest thing going on in your life yeah. right now? Like, At like noon on a Tuesday, you got to come to my house. But I was uh, – yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I got a big mouth. I'm going to tell you how I feel. I, life is too short to get walked all over. Exactly. You don't don't shut your mouth. Yeah. No, that's what they want. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. But I'm going to. You're going to have to shut your mouth for a little bit because we're going to take a break and then we're going <laughs> to come back <laughs> to do your top five. top five are you looking at my list nope i nope. can't see anything oh, okay all right so i also made a list because that's what i do it's give and nice. take here i make nice um so your top five was top five celebrities you have met because i know you've been on a lot of shoots and you've um been on been a lot of films and tv and theater and oh, i yeah. and i know which one of your celebrities that you've met which is my favorite 
but I don't I don't know everybody that you met. I was gonna say the photo of you and Elijah Wood made me the most <laughs> jealous ever. That dude was pretty awesome. Yeah, I didn't work with him. He came to see us perform. And uh, the scare house, yeah, nice. And uh, he and uh, Rose uh, McGowan is that the one from Game of Thrones? No, oh, I know what you're talking Uh, about. I don't know her last name. Yeah, she loved to drop the f bomb. Her her British little f bombs were awesome. Sweet, (laughs) but they were they were good sports, real good sports. All right, so what's your list? Um, okay. First is a tie because I met them at the same time. Mm. Uh, Sir Patrick and Sir Ian. I take that back. This is my most jealous. <laughs> but it, it was very brief. It was, uh, I had, um, one this weekend, uh, in the package included backstage to a show called Life in the Theater, which mm. is a David Mamet play in the seventies that mm-hmm. they revived with T.R. Knightley and Sir Patrick Stewart. In New, in New York? Yeah. And it did not translate that 40 years was rough on it. Yeah, it was rough. Um, yeah, and of course, the performances were good. And it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but we had got to go backstage. Mm-hmm. And before the show, Sir Ian walked Sir Patrick to the theater. And afterwards, they were both in like the green room. After the on the other side of the dressing rooms, and just kind of sitting in a green room with Patrick Stewart on one side and Ian McKellen on the other, and I don't know what to do with myself. Um, yeah, what, what do you do? You don't talk for one. Right. It, it was like, I, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, these are two icons, two yeah. amazing, and, and of course, I know them from Shakespeare, mm. but pop culture, I guess you have X Men and uh, Get, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Um, and he's seen... also one of Star Trek, also the yeah, new, well, next actually, generation. Picard, he played Picard in mm. Star Trek: The Next Generation, which might be, and that might have been how I was introduced to him, mm. and then learned about the uh, the Royal Shakespeare Company, you know, right? Reading like Starlog magazine. Gotcha. Um, so that was pretty ridiculous. That's awesome. Uh, I didn't sleep for like two days. <laughs> it was crazy, but I couldn't talk. I couldn't form words. It was I was like an idiot. I was a complete and total idiot. So that would be my number one. Um, I met a lot of great people and have worked with a lot of great people. Mm. Um, Work-wise, Robert England was a dream. Oh, fun. Yeah, he was a lot of fun. I Uh, met him in February. Oh, at the... uh, Is he here at the con? uh, I was was at a con in Florida. Yeah, he does a lot of cons. Yeah, he's really nice. He's ridiculously nice, and he has a story for every. Like, there's no downtime on a set with Robert. I think we shot for 22 days, and I heard 6,000 stories. And I would hear them again because he's a great storyteller, uh, and he's a great actor. Yeah, um, like we were in a van with him on, like, from the hotel to the to the convention center, and he had like three stories, maybe. Yeah. Like, it was probably like a 10 minute ride. <laughs> and he he never says no to fans. He's always accommodating to fans. He got mobbed at the airport here because we shot over Halloween. We shot yeah. a horror movie with Robert Englund over Halloween. Oh, my God. Uh, but that's a big thing for Freddy Krueger. There's yeah. a lot of cons that need him, so we had to lose him for a weekend and flew him to Florida, Orlando, mm. and when he was leaving Pittsburgh, he was just mobbed. Wow. And I guess his agent was like, uh, that can't happen again. <laughs> so I had to call a friend of mine to work at the airport. And I'm like, is there, can he be escorted mm-hmm. away from those? And they're like, yeah, we'll take care of it. So I don't know if it got taken care of or not, but, um, 
Uh, I worked with Dana Ashbrook from Twin Peaks. Oh. That nice. was fun. That's cool. Uh, I worked with Will Smith, obviously. Hmm. Um, but as far as meeting people, like meeting meeting icons, I, I can't give you five because there's been Nathan Fillion, for Christ's sake. Ridiculously. That's great. Cuddly. Oh. The man gives side hugs. He does. Oh, I he love it. <laughs> uh, but I met him because the director, one of the directors, one of the executive producers on the show Castle is Rob Bowman. Okay. Who was one of the executive producers on X-Files. Yes. So one of the X-Files adventures that I went on was to spend two days on the set of Castle as a guest of Rob Bowman. Fun. Um, so uh, I get to talk with Seamus Dever, who went to CMU here. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went to grad school with a kid I went to undergrad with. Uh, so that was a lot of fun, just being on set uh, with those, those guys. And, of course, meeting David and Jillian. Mm. Um, at different times. And oh, you met didn't, them. They yeah. were in the same place. They didn't do anything together for almost 20 years. Yeah, I, I saw, I don't know if they're a wizard world or something. I not, think that not might have been here, the first one. But yeah, like recently together, yeah. I saw like, you know, the internet's exploded of with people and their photo ops with both of them. Yeah. Just like, oh my God. And, and people will pay big money to have their photos taken with both of them. Yeah. And of course they'll oblige because it's money in their pocket. You know, it's... <laughs> Honestly, from the events that I did with them, all the money they collected went to charity. So oh, that's wonderful. It wasn't like wonderful. they were lying in their pockets. But, yeah. Um, and, and at one point, somebody auctioned off a piece of paper that Jillian had in her pocket and sold it for $400, like right there on the spot. It was weird. It was, yeah, there a lot of weird weird things happen <laughs> when, you, when you get to certain fandoms. But, the, yeah. you know, the Files, the X-Files fandom is... A lot of great people, mm-hmm. a lot of philanthropic people, a lot of people who, you know, uh, Dana Scully was a pioneer yeah. for women characters. No, this you is know. true. There was, I think, parts in the script where they would want her to walk behind Mulder. Mm-hmm. She'd be like, no, she's his equal. Nice. So she's, you know, so Jillian said, yeah. I'm not going to walk behind him. And other than having, being five foot and David being six two, <laughs> sometimes she had to. But, <laughs> right. Uh, it just looks weird <laughs> if you're right next to him. <laughs> She actually, one of the big things was she was always, on the close-ups, always on an Apple box. <laughs> and they tw- she tweeted a picture of her on an Apple box, like, the first week they were filming, and it got, like, 10,000 retweets. Yeah, I'm sure. It was... Man, I didn't realize he was actually that tall. He's He's got to be six, maybe six one. Wow. And she's maybe five. That's very... Two. It's very pleasant. Yeah. It makes me happy. <laughs> and he was... The time I met him, I met him twice, and... He just was, he was kind of cool and standoffish, mm. which is probably which I like. his personality. Yeah, you know? which I dig that. He wasn't mean, you know, <laughs> right, or was anything. Just... He was just kind of like, uh, but she was. Just a hint of an asshole-ish, like just a little drop, just a little hint. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, I would like to meet them again. But so is that five? I don't know. Is that five? So you said Ian and Patrick were one. Um, Jillian and. David, they were separate, so that's that's three. Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion is four. And, uh, I'd have to say, um, yeah, Robert England was up there. Robert England. Just because he was such a good dude. Nice. And loves theater, so yeah. we talked a lot of theater on set. That's great. Yeah. And it's always nice to see that someone, I mean, yes, he's <clears throat> an icon as Freddy Krueger. That's what the gen, like most people 
no way, Maz. But it's nice to see that you know he's he's something outside of that. Yeah. You know, because you hate when uh, actors get caught up in that one character that has made them. Yeah, and it did that defined him. That of course he would have had a successful career otherwise, mm-hmm. but nothing like you know right. he had with Freddie. And he knows that that character pays the bills today mm-hmm. and you know keeps him in the lifestyle that he's used to so he's he does a lot of conventions he mm-hmm. does a lot of and you know the the horror genre the fans horror fans are the most might even be as loyal as the science fiction fans yeah. when it comes to shows they like so he's got quite a following yeah definitely it's sick like i um when i was in florida he like his line always just like so people just like down like wrapped around he would take like breaks for like an hour and then people would line up again and it's just crazy and he can go like he was never not on set like he would just hang out in video village when he wasn't really telling stories and he's got a photographic memory too so if we had to uh bring in new sides mm-hmm. he would just look at the sides and have them done and the other actors have to go do their go to their trailers and do the way they prepare <laughs> and he's like yeah whatever i got it no he's we'll a great person he's yeah. got a great personality and i i really enjoyed um that 15 minutes that i had with him <laughs> um, okay so my list number one well this isn't in any order any specific order this is just me thinking of it ralph macchio Nice. I, yeah. I was like super pumped at the same convention that Robert England was at. Um, I was working it actually, and I had two goals of people. Like you know, I had to be with my guy that I was with, but I was like, I need to see Ralph Macchio and Ryan Hurst, who's number two on the list. Um, so <laughs> Ralph Macchio and like I'm like stuck, and it just so happened that my guy's booth was right behind Ralph's, so we were like separated. But like over by a curtain, but I was actually separated by the curtain. We shared a curtain with William Zapka. Okay. Was, <laughs> so ever so after a while, I got to be like, oh, just peeking in. Hey, hey, Billy. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so I was like stalking and waiting. Like, when is he going to show up? When is, and he finally did. And I get, and I'm just like shaking. Like, and I've met like quite a few celebrities in my life, and Ralph Macchio is probably like yeah. the only one that I'm just He's like, iconic. Yeah, yeah like. That's, you know, he was, like, probably one of my first crushes, like, when I was a kid, like, Karate Kid. Like, we were, like, hardcore into that, like, all three, you know, even the third one's not so great. Um, like, we were super big fans of the Karate Kid movies, and um, it was such a big deal. Like, I finally met him, and I was just, like, and still just, like, I don't even remember what I said to him or what he right. said to me. No idea. There's a photo, and I'm super stunned. I'm cool with it. I'm like, I'm okay. <laughs> So, um, yeah, like, he was really nice. Um, and number two, Ryan Hurst, uh, Opie from Sons of Anarchy, which I just... Now, is he in... No, was he in the movie or is he in one of the TV shows shooting here? He's in one of the TV shows. Um, uh, what is the name of it? The Outsiders. Okay, he is in The Outsiders. Yeah. Um, after a while, they start to... Because you get the breakdowns and you go and audition for them, and, mm. and after a while, they're almost interchangeable. I'm sure. Because it's always a uh, mountain woman with long hair. <laughs> You know, it's the same thing no matter what. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I got it. I, I speak Appalachia. Um, um, but yeah. yeah. He would be pretty cool. He was great. And he was just, you know, he's got this heart. The character that he played on Sons Anarchy was like, you know, hard, but, you know, whatever. But he's so nice, so sweet. And he had like the biggest and like brightest smile. And he's just like this ginormous teddy bear. He's probably like six four. Wow, like I was, yeah, I was in heels and he was still like a good, 
couple a good few inches taller than me and i'm just like oh my god a big dude and he gives good hugs and he was just like so nice and i was super stoked about that i think he's what drew me to sons of anarchy because his character opie Mm -hmm. was really the first one you cared about right first one that you because he was a likable character exactly spoiler alert when opie got killed i almost stopped watching yeah like i was like because I, I, I think I actually cried a little bit when because I was like, this is the only one that I'm really like. Yeah. I mean, he he got harder obviously after what what happened. Uh, his wife or was mm-hmm. his girlfriend? Was his it was wife. his wife. Um, but in the beginning, the the first season, the first couple of episodes, like you know, here's a man that all he wants to do is provide for his family. Right. So you you kind of like him, and right. then he gets drawn back into the lifestyle. But yeah, he was he's a really good actor. Yeah, and he was also on. Um, Bates Motel this last season. I haven't seen this season. It was such a good, he was such a weird character and I like it. <laughs> it was like really kooky, you know, drug dealer, whatever. But he was just like, it was a weird character and just the, the cadence in which he spoke, which was, uh, it was it like, I, I like that a lot. Um, I like the first season, but I haven't seen anything from the second season. It's so good. Like Psycho is my favorite movie and um, I was concerned that they were going to screw it up. But no, it's just a really good... I really enjoy the show. Yeah, the, the first episode, I was like, uh, really? And then the more I watched it... But, mm. uh, uh, if, uh, Vera. Vera. She is killing it. Yeah, she's amazing. She is And everything it. she does. She did some... Uh, she's done a lot of other stuff since that came out. Was she on The Americans, too? Did she guest on The Americans? I don't know. I haven't seen any of that. Oh, you gotta see that. That's a good show. Yeah. Uh, but no, like everything I've seen Vera in, amazing. Yeah. She's just so good. Um, number three, this is tough. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, how is that not number one? It's not in any order. Like, okay. cause oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Just, so for those of you listening at home, number one, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> number one, Robert Downey Jr. Coming in number one with the bullet, RDJ. <laughs> number one on the call sheet, number one in our hearts. Wow, that would have been cool. So tell me this story. Um, <clears throat> it was when he was here shooting Wonder Boys. Um, I was a student, it was probably like the first or second year that I lived here and I was a student at AIP and I was working at, um, Rivers Club downtown and, uh, I heard that he was in town and so I called every hotel and asked to be (laughs) connected to Mr. Downey's room and somebody connected me to his room (laughs) and he answered the phone. Um, I gave him some cock and bull story about uh, I wanted to interview him for a school paper or something like that. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> and um, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure he was probably high at the time. Um, and he's like supposedly took down my name and number. He's like, oh, I'll give you a call back, blah, blah, blah. He did not do that. I saw him within the next 48 hours. I was at Rivers Club. Um, there was like, it's, it's like a little, um, social club kind of thing. And they have, you know, uh, the restaurant upstairs and then like a gym. And, um, I was a waiter and, uh, or a waitress, whatever. And, uh, I was working out and he was, he had a temporary membership while he was in town and he was working out as well. And I just ran into him <laughs> there crazy. and I'm like in the gym with him. I know. Uh, honestly, I'm not, I'm sorry. Is this the men's locker room? <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but I didn't, uh, so I just started talking to him and then I didn't mention that I was the one that called his hotel room, but he was like looking at, he's like, you know, giving me like the once over and stuff. He's like, you know, they're looking for extras and stuff. You should go down to Nancy Monster and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. And so I went down and they cast me as a waitress 
at the in the bar scene with uh, him and Toby and uh, Michael Douglas. I think Katie Holmes was there too. I don't remember, but um, yeah. So like, maybe you can probably see like my butt and like the background or something in that scene. Nice. But I will look for your ass. But um, I didn't come back the second day of shooting because I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> It can be long days, man. Yeah. Like, I'll go do, well, I won't be doing it now because Veep has relocated to L.A., but mm. I'll go do House of Cards in Veep, hmm. but we get the union background pay. Oh. So it's worth, and not only do you get the union background pay, you get the union food. Oh, nice. You get fed better. Yeah. Um. So even if you, if it costs X amount of dollars to drive down there, you're still coming home with money in your pocket and money going to your uh health and pension that's awesome yeah yeah that's much better yeah i just couldn't take it anymore i was yeah. like i think i've done the extra thing like three times and i'm just it's like, rough i mean people walk out i was a pa on batman oh the, really the day we had eleven thousand extras and the, the paid extras Ooh. stay there's only a handful of paid extras everybody else is volunteer yeah we lost quite a few throughout the day yeah uh, but you know what are you gonna do they're they're working for free it's i guess you, like you, you gotta kind of yeah you gotta just account for that which is why there's so many to begin with i guess um. Uh, number four, oh. uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. Don't tell me. Uh, that name is. No, it's not ringing a bell. Boondock Saints. Nah. Uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. watch that. Oh. But I know. Powder. Now I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> powder. Okay. <laughs> I liked it the first time I saw it when it was called Michael. <laughs> you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> powder was revolutionary. <laughs> I think I'm confusing him with uh, the John Michael Scott or something. It's not him. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> but um, I'm like a, like Boondock Saints. Like that's one of my top movies. Like I love that movie. It's so good. And I've always really had a crush on um Sean Patrick Flannery. He was like on Dexter for a season two, um, and um, like I've. I, I think Powder was the first thing I saw him in, and I was, like, following... I think I've probably seen everything that he, he's been in. And I was working a convention, I think, a Wizard World, in um, Dayton, maybe? Columbus? Maybe Columbus. And he was there. And I guess it's kind of a twofer, because um, the other guy from Boondock Saints was in there as well. Uh, <laughs> Two for one. <laughs> Two Boondock Saints for the price of one. <laughs> like, Norman Reedus was there, but I never got anywhere near him. He's cool. Yeah, I never got anywhere near him though. So. I totally forgot. Uh, not Norman Reedus, and uh, who who was the one that cuts his hand off or is chained to the thing in the first? Rocco. Season? Oh, in the first season of Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, Roker. Roker. Michael. Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker. Yeah, you call him Rooker. He goes by Rooker. Oh, I Rooker. met him and uh, James Gunn. Oh, night. really? Yeah, in L.A. Nice. Both super cool. Nice. Um. So yeah, so I'm like one of the other, like one of the three, Rocco, I forget his last name, but he was also there and we were just chatting with them and they, we ended up partying with them afterwards. <laughs> like they invited us to, uh, like, we're going to go to this, we're going to have an after party down here at blah, blah, blah. And we're like, okay. What's my honor? <laughs> so we went to some club with them and that it was awesome. <laughs> and it was great. These are way better than my stories. These are way better than my stories. Um, okay. And, uh, I guess, you know. Nicholas Brendan, uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, okay. We, um, I met him at a convention a little over a year ago, and we became friends. Like, um, I, my friends were running the convention, Horror Realm. I don't know if you know those guys. And uh, they were like, hey, you want to sit with Nick 
for the whatever. I'm like, yeah, because I'm Buffy. That's my fandom right there. And um, so I did. And like we became friends and I was there with him for like the one day. And then uh, I didn't come back the next day. And then he called me and he was like, oh, you couldn't come by and, and say, <laughs> say goodbye. Say goodbye. And, uh, and I'm like, awesome. and, uh, and I'm like uh, no, you know, I had stuff to do, man, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. If I ever come back to Pittsburgh, I'll give you a call. Like a few months later, he came back to Pittsburgh and it happened to be his birthday weekend. And he called me and he was like, you want to help me out? And I was like, sure. And you know, I sat with him for the weekend and Dan made him a birthday cake. And oh, that's awesome. like we helped him celebrate his birthday. And um, like we've been friends ever since. That's so cool. <laughs> and that's like that's another huge fandom. Like just Joss in general. Yeah, just you know. the, the Whedon. Whedonites. Um, I, I was I didn't watch a lot of Buffy. Hmm. Uh because that was like my transition from college to adulthood. Mm. So I had to make adult decisions and one of them was not watching Buffy. Uh, but, you know, I, I didn't really even catch Firefly yeah. the first time around. I was a latecomer to Firefly. Um, even Dr. Horrible. It was like oh. two years after that I, I got into really? Dr. Horrible. Yeah. That was during the writer's strike, yeah. too. But I didn't have I, I didn't have internet for years, and I still really don't have it. Oh. I just, you know, being online isn't my... Yeah. And I think I remember I, was, I had, like, really slow internet at the time when that came out. And I remember, like, it took, like, a day or something and for it, me to download that properly. it overwhelmed all the servers. <laughs> it it was, was crazy, but so worth it. Like, yeah. it's such a good um, movie or show, whatever. It's hilarious. And the soundtrack, I have it on my iPod. Right? <laughs> don't work out to it. It's the worst soundtrack to work out to. I made the mistake of doing it to uh, to that. And then the... Bat horse, bat horse, bat horse, bat horse. He rides... I don't even know the words. Do I have it on my phone? No, I don't have it. But yeah, that was... Uh, that's a fantastic... Uh, you know, Neil Patrick Harris's Money in the Bank. And oh, yeah. Somehow, they can make Nathan Fillion singing too so don't think singing is his thing i did hear a couple outtakes where he's uh in a different key um, you know but that's cool that's not his thing but he's that's a great character for him yeah it is it's perfect he's got that you know cheese ball hey uh, ooh, I'm, I'm captain captain hammer hey the hammer is my penis we totally had sex <laughs> we do the weird stuff. I have a couple Captain Hammer shirts. There. Do you? Yeah, I get a lot of stuff from uh, T Fury. Oh, nice. And I have uh, a lot of a lot. Of, well, it's a Firefly shirt I'm wearing. Oh, it's shiny and nice. Um, but yeah, I got a lot of those. I got a shit ton of X Files shirts. <laughs> and science fiction really isn't my thing. It used to be when I was growing up. You know. But now I gravitate more towards, like, true crime or comedy. I do enjoy true crime yeah. uh, tales like that. Did you see the Jinx, that um, HBO documentary about the guy who... No, but then they arrested him in yeah. like, the last episode. Yeah, right? Like, basically. Like, like, from something that they found, that they uncovered in that last episode, people went back and was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then it was like a couple weeks after that aired, they were like, yeah, yeah. we're going to have to... You're going to have to come in. We're going to have to speak with you again, sir. <laughs> no, you don't need your attorney. Just, just come on in. All right. <clears throat> uh, random question time. What time of day do you feel most creative? Wow. Um, 
I would have to say in the evening, if not late at night, early morning, uh, because I did work such odd hours, mm-hmm. and I did work overnights. I worked seven p to seven a for years. Gross. So I think no, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I liked I liked sleeping during the day because um, it gets out, it gets you out of a lot of shit too. Mm. <laughs> I can't, I can't. Sorry, guys, I can't go to lunch. I have to sleep. Move, help you move. Ah, and you sorry, can put that sign up on the door. It says "Day Sleeper." Do not ring. Yeah. It was good stuff. Um, so I think that my most creative time is probably, I would give myself a window between like 9 p.m. and 1 a.m. Huh. Interesting. Well, Cindy, uh, we have reached the end of our hour and a half. Wow. And look at you. I'm like, oh, I'm so boring. Oh, boring. there's no way I'm going to be able to fill up a whole hour. Lies. Do you well, feel good about it? I feel okay. I, I feel good. I'm I'm glad we got to talk about some uh women's issues, even though briefly. Yes. But lady filmmakers, if you're listening, get involved. We need uh more. Make something. We want to see it. We want to hear from you. Tell your stories. Yes, and if you are a female filmmaker and you've got some stuff you want to share, please do. You can email me at ruggedangel at gmail dot com or you can post it on rugged on the Rugged Angel Productions Facebook page. And, um, yeah, let me know, because I want to talk to you, and we want to help you showcase your stuff. And come out to the Pittsburgh 48-Hour Film Project screenings. Hopefully they haven't happened by the time this is aired already. (laughs) (laughs) It's like two weeks away. Come on. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what the schedule is on this one yet. (laughs) Um, But thank you, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you you for um, taking the time to chill with me and talk and help me get to know you. It was a good time. Thanks for having me. And do you have anything, um, websites or anything other than 3 by 7 you want to shout out one more time? Uh, just my Twitter, mostly. That's how I do most of my communication. At R-E-S-Q-5-1-K-M-G-365. That's Rescue51-K-M-G-365. <laughs> From the old TV show Emergency. That was their call sign. <laughs> and on that note, we are out. <laughs> This has been a Rugged Angel production.